Good evening. Today we'll be studying the third chapter of Hilchot Ma'achalot Asurot, an extremely, extremely important chapter, and one very, very relevant um, in terms of Halachal Ma'aseh. This chapter will deal with different things that are products of different animals. So, for example, eggs, uh, milk, cheese will be dealt in this chapter, and um, along with a few other. Um, things that are products that animals produce for uh, those include um honey and over the course of this chapter will um, deal with all and more of um, those products any food that is a product from any of the species of prohibited animals that one would be liable for malkut if eating, if eating them, that product or that food made by again that prohibited animal is prohibited to be eaten from scriptural law. For example, milk that is produced by behemot um, and hayot that are not kosher, as well as eggs of birds and fish that are non-kosher as well. As the Torah explicitly states, and you may not eat the bat hayana. Now, as we mentioned in the previous chapter, the yana is an ostrich. So, if anyone no, hopefully everyone knows that ostriches don't give birth the same way that mammal, mammals give birth. Rather, they lay eggs. So an ostrich can't really have, um, can't give birth, rather, to a daughter. Again, they lay eggs. So then Hahamim um, ask, we know, obviously, that the Bataya'ana, that the ostrich does not really have a daughter and does not give birth. Why does it state? Bataya'ana. Obviously, if yes, why does it state Bataya'ana? So, um, yes, why does what the Torah include the Bataya'ana? And because the Torah, Hamim, state that the Torah is referring to the eggs that are produced by the Ya'ana, the ostrich eggs that are Asur. And that's why the Torah went out of its way to explicitly mention Bataya'ana. And this is exactly what Rambam says. The daughter, quote-unquote, of the ostrich. Zo this batayana is actually referring to its eggs. And the same rule applies for any prohibited animal, just like the yana, just like the ostrich. Namely, anything that is a byproduct of, anything rather that is a product of a non-kosher animal. Not only um, Eggs, rather anything that resembles or that is produced, anything that resembles an egg, an egg, in that it is produced by a non-kosher animal, that it would be prohibited for us to eat it. So again, just to recap the salacha, extremely important. Any food that is a product of one of the non-kosher animals is prohibited to be eaten, and we learn that in Chachamim, yes, and we learn this from Bat the ostrich. That the batayana refers to the eggs of the ostrich, 
just like eggs are prohibited, so too anything that is produced by the non-kosher animal is also prohibited. Halacha bet. Halev ha'adam mutar ba'akhila. The milk, human milk, is permitted to be eaten. Even though human flesh is prohibited to be eaten, as we mentioned in the previous chapter, it is prohibited by a positive uh, prescription. And the rule of Haggadel does not apply for things that are prohibited, for example, human flesh. Devash devorim udvash tseraim mutar. The honey uh, that are the honey of um, bees and the honey of hornets is permissible. Because honey is not really a product of their bodies. And if anyone knows, bees collect. Um, the honey and the pollen from the um, flowers, they swallow the pollen and then regurgitate it into their hive. So that they will find it in their, because basically what bees do is that they take, they extract the honey, the pollen rather from the flower. They take it and place it in the hive in order for them to eat from it during the winter months where they're, almost aren't any flowers for them to extract the pollen from. So because bee honey isn't a product of the bee, of the bee itself, it is not prohibited to be eaten. even though human milk is permissible, hahamim prohibited for an adult to um, to nurse or to drink it from directly from the breasts of a woman. Rather, she should milk it into a vessel, and then the person may drink it. An adult who um, who, yes, who pretty much breastfed, who drank milk from a woman's breast, it's as if he um, drank milk from an unclean animal, and he is liable for makat mardut, for violating a rabbinic prohibition. It's Rabbi Yochai Makbili in his Perush comments that the reason why he is liable is because it, this is not um, at all modest behavior and um, it's Mishum Peritzut that he is liable for this. And Chachamim um, prohibited this. Yes, Midarkei Atzeniut. Halacha Dalid. Yonek Tinok Veholech. Afilu Arba Ochamesh Shanim. A child may continue to nurse even for four or five years from when he is born. But if he was weaned and stopped for three days or more, 
holy and he stopped while in good health, not because of an illness. Go back and continue to um, to nurse. This is provided and this only applies when this this applies that he was that the child was older than 24 months. But if he stopped nursing for three or four days while under the age of 24 months or two years, even if he stopped even if he stopped nursing for a month or for two months, as long as he with he is within um, the age of 24 months, he can go back and continue to nurse so long as 24 months that as this is within the 24 month um, period. <clears throat> Now we'll move to the subject of milk and eggs that are produced by um, milk that is produced by behemoth and hayot and um, eggs that are produced by chickens. Even though the milk and the milk of a non-kosher animal is prohibited, and the eggs of a non-kosher bird are also prohibited from scriptural law, one would not be liable for malkut if he ate them, as the Torah says that you may not eat from their flesh. That the flesh is what one is liable for malkut if he ate it. However, he is not liable for malkut in regards to the milk or in regards to the egg of a non-kosher animal. And someone who eats the eggs of a non-kosher animal or drinks the milk of a non-kosher animal, it's as if he eats... Um, yeah, it's as if he eats half the minimum amount, which is prohibited from scriptural law, but he is not liable for malkut, but he is liable for makat mardut, for violating um, a rabbinic prohibition. It seems Harambam makes this ruling himself um, not based on any sources that he had um, as we mentioned many times in the Mishnah Torah, whenever Harambam says Yira Eli, so Harambam says it seems to him that anyone who eats eggs of a non-kosher fish that is found inside um, the fish itself, it's as if he eats, he's eating the inner organs of the fish and is liable for malkut for violating a scriptural law. So to eggs that are attached in the clutter inside the hen, that they have not totally been finished forming and have not been separated from um, the hen itself. One who eats them is liable for malkut. It's as if he is eating the innards of the um, yes of the non-kosher of. And here, when Hanabam says of, it's obvious that he's referring to um, bits of that are, um, and of that is tamez. So again, um, if, he fa if, he, 
if he found eggs inside a non-kosher animal that were not fully formed or finished, one would be liable for um, malkut because it's as if he is eating the innards of the um, hen. The same applies for the fish, and this is all Harambam, Harambam's own ruling. Halakha Zain. Betzat of tameshid The egg of a non-kosher bird that, be, that the embryo began to form in it, and someone ate it, one would be liable for violating the prohibition of eating sheret ha'of, um, but not liable for eating the of tameh, because the embryo that began to form is not regarded as an of, rather we regard it as someone who ate a sheret ha'of. But the egg of a kosher bird that began, that the embryo began to form, yes, that the embryo began to form, and one ate it, one, he would be liable for makat mardut. And the reason for this is because the embryo has a type of limbo state. Because on the one hand, it's... Um, it's still not a fully formed um, chicken, which we may regard as an egg, not um, not requiring shahita to be done. But on the other hand, it did, has begun to form. Therefore, it may require um, shahita in order for it to be eaten. Therefore, um, he would be liable for makat mardut. Because again, it may require shahita to permit it to be eaten. If roa, uh, yes, nimtza aleha koret dam. If congelated blood was found on the egg, im ala hahelbon zorek et dam. If it was found on the helbon, the helbon is the white of the egg, it may be discarded because we regard it as part of the embryo. And he may eat the rest of the um, of the egg. But if the blood was found on the helmon, on the helmon is the yolk, it is prohibited because the entire egg is prohibited because we regard the blood as if it came from the mother. A disfigured egg, a um, may be eaten by anyone, um, especially someone who is uh, courageous and isn't afraid to eat um, interesting and weird foods. But the mitzah that is muzeret is permissible to be eaten because most people would prefer not to eat a disfigured egg. Yes. And just to clarify um, in regards to the previous clause of the the previous clause of the halakha, that if again the egg, if the blood is found on the helbon, on the white, we it is um, yes, it's considered as part of the um, of the egg. But if it was found on the helmon, that we we assume that this blood is from the mother. And it is prohibited to eat um, bl the blood that was um, separated from the mother and fell into the egg. But if 
the blood was from the embryo itself, it would be permissible to be eaten. No, sorry. You may you have to remove it, and then you can eat the rest of it. Yes. Mehila, one second. Mehila, Mehila, sorry that because if it was found on the hilmon, on the um, yolk, it is the entire egg is prohibited because it proves that the um, yeah, if, I, if I'm reading, if I understand this correctly, it proves that the formation of the embryo was not totally finished, and yes, it was not, okay, there are two ways to read this, I think. One way is that it's not totally finished, and there may be other blood other blood there, but I think that, yes, if I remember correctly, the reason why it is prohibited is because the blood is from the mother and it is prohibited to eat um, the entire egg if the blood of the mother is there. But if anyone has any clarifications in regards to this, I'd love to hear it. Okay, continuing. A newborn chick even that, um, yes, that its eyes has not been opened yet, that it is not regarded as a nephil, and it would be permissible to eat it, um, obviously provided shahita uh, is done. And if anyone um, remembers from the, hum from the homage that is prohibited to eat um, a behemah after... Um, yes, that it is prohibited to eat a behemah only after it is left um, for eight days to prove that it is um, a bar kayama. This law does not apply for chickens. And a newborn chick, again, that was born, um, even though it um, did not open its eyes, um, it is not considered a nephil, and one may eat it immediately after um, it was slaughtered. Halakha het. A kosher animal that was rendered to be a terefa. And if any if anyone remembers from the last chapter, a terefa means that it had some type of blemish and yes and obviously prohibited to be eaten even after the shahita because it was yes it was um before the shahita yes so its milk is prohibited just and it's regarded just like a non-kosher animal's milk So to the eggs of a chicken that was rendered a terefa, it is regarded as a the egg of a non-kosher chicken. 
if the of was um, rendered a nevela, a nevela, as we mentioned also, is that is an animal that the shahita, that something went wrong with the shahita, and as a result of in the pro- improper shahita, the animal was a, rendered a nevela. If the of again was rendered as a nevela, and a fully formed egg was found in it, and the egg is an egg just as it, just and it resembles just it resembles another egg that would be sold in the market. It is permissible to be eaten. So again, just to recap, a terefa, the milk and um, yes, the milk and egg of a behema terefa and an of shenitraf are prohibited. But in regards to nevela, if a fully formed egg was formed in the was found in the nevela, it is permissible. Halacha yo halacha tet. The chick that hatched from the egg of a terefa is permissible. Because its species is not um, impure. If the chicken was a safek terefa, all of the eggs that was born from this safek terefa chicken, all the eggs that were born after the out of the first batch must be kept and we wait. If another batch, if the hen made another, if the chicken made another batch and began to lay them, the first ones, the first batch is permissible. But if it did not make produce another batch, it would be these eggs would be prohibited. And the reason for this is if the chicken can. Can have another batch of eggs. It is definitely not a terefa, and this is a general rule, as we'll see for hilchot terefot, that if the animal can give birth, it is definitely not a terefa. Yes. Okay. Now we'll move to another topic, um, and that topic is halav nochri and gevina vehema. Uh, milk of koyim and cheese and butter. So this is discussed in the Gemara in Masechet Avodah Zarah, Daf Kaftet and Daf Lamed He. And just as an introduction, I think it might be useful just to explain, um, to the best of my knowledge, exactly how cheese is made. And um, it'll, I think, it would d- definitely enhance the understanding of the next few halachot. Um, just as a disclaimer, I'm not um, a professional in regards to these um, subjects of making cheese. Um, so if anyone has any comments or any clarifications, I'd really be glad to hear. So cheese is, there are two types of cheese, cheeses, something called acid set cheese and something called rennet set cheese. Acid cheese is also known as soft cheese, and it refers to things like cream cheese and cottage cheese. And these cheeses are produced by adding certain bacterias to milk. Rennet set cheese 
refers to cheeses like cheddar cheese and mozzarella cheese and other types of cheeses. And these cheeses are produced by adding something called rennet enzyme to milk, where the cheese becomes hardened. Hardened. Um, that process is called con congelating or curdling. Again, curdling is as we'll we'll use the term curdling. And curdling is when the milk turns into mass and becomes hard. And along with that, something called whey uh, is produced. Whey is leftover liquid after the milk curdles. So yes, okay, so in regards to this rennet, um, back in the days of the Talmud, Hahamim, as we'll see, forbade eating cheese, um, eating the cheese rather of goyim. And the reason for this is because the goyim would put the milk um, in, inside, the, yes, the, they would put the milk inside the um, lining of a, not of a, um, of a not kosher, yes, they would put the um, milk in the skin, in the lining of a um, animal that they killed, which would obviously, which is obviously a nevela. So because again, the goyim would put the milk of the, um, of the kosher animal into the lining of the um, nevela, which would, um, and the nevela, the, the lining of the nevela would have this enzyme, again, called rennet, which would harden the cheese. So Chachamin prohibited any um, cheese, uh, yes, they forbade, yes, they forbade cheese of goyim. Yes, okay. So with that, I think we can, begin these halachot. Yes, okay. Halacha yod. Halev behemat teme'a. Eno nikpeh ve'omed kahalev ha-tehora. So milk of a not-kosher animal does not curdle like a, um, like the milk of a kosher animal. And again, when I say curdle, um, it means that the milk turns hard, turns into cheese. And if kosher, if the milk of a kosher animal was mixed with the milk of a non-kosher animal, once they curdle, once they are curdled, the kosher milk will become hardened and the not kosher milk will flow outside of the cheese along with the way of the cheese. And because of this fact, it would be logical to conclude that all the milk that 
is found in the in the possession of a non-Jew is prohibited. Shema bo halev because he may have mixed along with the kosher milk non-kosher milk. Ugvinat haguyim muteret halev and you may conclude as well that the cheese of goyim is permitted because only kosher um, kosher milk. Yes, because non-kosher milk, rather, cannot become cheese. However, in the days of the sages of the Mishnah, the Hachamim of the time um, decreed that all cheeses of goyim are prohibited. And they prohibited because they... They used to curdle the cheese in the stomach lining of animals that they slaughtered, which are considered nevelot. And if you would say, But if you say that the lining of the stomach of the nevela is very small in quantity, in in uh, in contrast to the milk that it is um, causing to harden, so why can this um, the small amount of the lining of the stomach in which the kosher milk is in be nullified just as we nullify many other mixtures and other ta'aravot? And the reason for this is because the non-kosher the not the lining of the nevela um, is what causes the curdling, and this is what causes the transformation. Therefore, it is asur. And because of the fact that this not kosher is what causes the transformation of the milk into cheese, namely the rennet of the nevela, asur, the entire thing is prohibited. As we will elaborate on and as we will explain later on in Perek Tet and in Perek Tet Zayin of Hilchot Ba'achalot Asurot. So again, just to clarify this, um, these two halachot, the Chachamim made, um, made a gezera on the cheese of Goyim um, because back in the day, the goyim would curdle the cheese, um, curdle, sorry, curdle the milk and harden the cheese in the lining of a nevela. However, um, just because um, goyim do not necessarily um, curdle the milk in the or of a nevela, that does not get rid of the gezera of Givinat Goyim. Hahamim made, again, Hahamim made the Gezerah on Givinat Goyim. Regardless um, of the reason, Givinat Goyim is still prohibited. And the rule is Batal Hata'am Lo Batal HaGezerah. Harambam mentions this in um, a couple of places, one of them in uh, one of his Teshuvot. Halakha Iyod Bet. 
גבינה שמעמידין אותה הגויים בעשבים או במי פירות כגון שירף תאנים, והרי ניכרין בגבינה, milk that is curdled by גויים, um, by herbs or fruit juice or um, a type of date brandy, and it is clear and you, one may, I can identify that this is what caused um, the curdling. Some of the Geonim ruled that this is prohibited. Because the Chachmeh Mishnah already prohibited all cheeses of Goyim. This was regardless of whether they curdled it in something that is Asur. Or whether they curdle it with something that was mutar, asur, because the gezera was made because of the fact that the goyim may cause the may do the curdling with something that is asur. Again, the chachamim of the Mishnah prohibited all cheeses of goyim. Famously, there were chachamim. Um, from the city of Narbona that disagreed with this ruling um, and permitted cheese that was curdled by Goyim um, that was not curdled by um, the lining of a nevela. However, it is clear that um, some of the Geonim ruled that it is prohibited and that um, it seems clear also that Harambam um, seems to side with this ruling as well. Because if he disagreed, he would have brought the contrasting opinion. And um, however, in this halakha, he does not do that. And he leaves it as the ruling of the Geonim and seems to agree with their ruling as well. Halakha. Anyone who eats the cheeses of Goyim or milk that was milked by a Goy and a Jew did not witness the um, milking. And it's possible, again, as we mentioned, that the Goy may have mixed non-kosher milk with the kosher milk. He would be liable for... Um, Lashes for violating a rabbinic prohibition. Regarding butter of goyim, some of the geonim permitted it. Because hahamim did not extend the gezera to butter, and the milk of a behemateme'a does not harden. And some of the goyim. Geonim prohibited the butter of Goyim because of the leftover drops of milk that are left in the butter. Because the whey in butter is not mixed enough with the butter so that it would be nullified in um, its insignificance. Any milk of goyim, we suspect that the goy um, mixed along with it milk of a non-kosher animal.
הלכה יד יראה לי שאם לקח חמאה מן הגויים, הרמב״ם gives a solution to these גאונים here that um, prohibited butter of גויים. So הרמב״ם says it seems to him that if someone bought butter from גויים, and cooked it so that the, um, the leftover drops of milk um, pretty much left and were totally extracted from the butter, the butter would be permitted. Because if you say that non-kosher milk was mixed along with it and you cooked all of it, the, um, the mixture would, yeah, the non-kosher aspect of it, non-kosher element would be um, nullified because of its insignificance. But butter that was cooked by goyim is prohibited because of something called gi'ole goyim, as we will see later on in Perek Yodzain. Gi'ole goyim is um, food cooked in pots or vessels that belong to goyim are prohibited because we assume they absorb some type of isur. Yes, because they absorb some type of isur, um, as we will see, yes, in, in Perek Yod Zayn. Okay, so just to recap the halakha in regards to butter, some hachamim uh, prohibited the butter of goyim, um, but some hachamim permitted it. And there was, just to remind, in contrast to cheese, milk and butter um, were not, there is no gezerah in regards to them. Um, however, with cheese, there was a gezerah by the chachamim. Um, so again, some chachamim prohibited butter, and some chachamim per, um, allowed butter, again, of goyim. And Harambam says that if someone bought butter from goyim and cooked it so that the drops of milk um, were extracted it would be permissible because um because butter is butter hardens therefore any um aspect of the non-kosher would of the non-kosher milk would be extracted and anything that is left inside would be um considered um mevutal. A Jew who sat with the herd of a non-Jew. And the Goy went and brought him milk from the herd. Even if in the herd the, the, the Goy has a non-kosher animal, this milk would be permitted. Yes, and this is because there was no gezerah regarding milk. Hamim again, only made the gezerah in regards to givinat goyim, but regarding milk, Hamim never made this gezerah. And this is all even though the Jew did not see the goy milking the animal. 
והוא שיכול לראות כשהוא חולף כשיעמוד, שהגוי מתירא לחלוב מן הטמאה, שמא יעמוד ויראה אותו. And this is provided that the Jew can, if the Jew would stand up, he would be able to see the goy milking the animal, because the goy is afraid to milk from a non-kosher animal, because the Jew may stand up and see him. Nehila, one second. Yes, okay. So just to recap these past few halachot, I think it's extremely important. Um, it's extremely important and relevant halachot, and there are many misconceptions um, regarding these halachot. So regarding... Um, yes, so milk and cheese of a non-kosher animal are prohibited and one would, um, yes, are prohibited, one would not be liable for malkut if he ate them. However, yes, okay, then regarding um, cheese, yes, again, regarding cheese, um, Hahamim made a gezerah regarding Givinat Goyim, regarding cheese bought from Goyim, and prohibited it because they, the Goyim back in the day would curdle um, the milk inside the stomach lining of an animal that they slaughtered, which would be considered a nevela, therefore non not kosher. And because the not, yes, and yes, but this gezerah only applied to cheese. Additionally, aside from uh, if the reason applies or not, givina of goyim is prohibited. Again, even though there are many companies today that produce cheese and do not use the stomach lining of nevelot, the cheese of goyim is still prohibited. Because the rule is batal hataam lo batal batla hataam lo batla hagezera. However, in regards to milk, Hahamim did not make such a gezera regarding milk, and as long as yes. Yes, and if a go, yes, and milk bought from Goyim or taken by, from Goyim, if the Jew can see that the Goy um, is, if the, if the Jew has the ability to see that the Goy is milking from the animal, it is permitted for the Jew to take it. Now, because Hahamim did not make this Gezera in regards to milk, um, it seems that if there is no um, possibility that the milk of a non-kosher animal would be mixed with the milk of a kosher animal, um, and there would be serious ramifications for anyone who would do so, for example, in the United States, that if um, milk, uh, yes, if there is milk that was milked by, yes, if a company pr that produces milk um, 
mixes milk of a cow with milk, for example, of a pig, there would be serious, serious legal ramifications. And, um, and it's not something that um, happens at all. Milk bought from these corporations and these companies, again, because there is no possibility of not kosher milk um, being mixed with it, it is permitted to buy um, milk um, from uh, from go from these types from goyim in a sense. Hila. Yes. Okay. Yes. And if anyone again has any um, clarifications or any comments, I'd love to um, hear them. Okay, continuing with the halachot. Halachat tet zayin. An egg that is round at both ends. Or if they were sharp at both ends. Or if the white was inside the yolk. It is certainly an egg of a non-kosher animal. Of any, any of these types of eggs. If there was one side of the egg that was round and one side of the egg that was sharp. And the white was on the outside and the yolk was on the inside. It is possible that it is from a, the egg of a non-kosher animal, but also it is possible that it is the egg of a kosher animal. Therefore, you can ask the... Um, Hunter, uh, Jewish guy who is selling the eggs to you. If he tells you that it is from this specific type of bird and that bird is a kosher bird, one may rely on him because by naming the bird that it's from, we can pretty much ascertain that he is an expert regarding uh, the birds and he is believed to testify on the um, on if this egg is kasher or not. But if he simply said that it is from a kosher bird but did not specify its name, one may not rely on him. Therefore, one may not take, buy eggs from a non-Jew. Uh, he may only buy um, eggs from Goyim unless the buyer knows um, and can recognize these eggs and can recognize which type of bird they, they're from. We don't suspect that these eggs are the eggs of a terefa. Um, and obviously the eggs of a terafa, as you mentioned, would be prohibited. And the rule is that most, because most animals are not, are not um, regarded as terefot, um, it would be permissible. The rov behemot kesherot hen is the rule the Talmud lays out. 
And as a result, um, one does not need to assume that the eggs that he takes are from the are the eggs of a terefa. And one may not purchase from the goyim a um, a betza terufa. A betza terufa is an egg that was mixed. So the yolk and the white was mixed, and it's not possible for one to recognize um, what type of egg, um, what type of bird um, this egg was is from. Also, one may not purchase cheese or um, the piece, or yes, or the or a fillet of fish that does not have um, a siman that does not have a sign, unless it was from a um, a Jew who was. Um, Yes, that was assumed to be a um, who is yes, who is trustworthy in regards to these um, to these laws. Yes, when we say um, we mean that he is. I skipped a. Yes, I skipped a halacha. Mehila, okay. Mehila halacha yod het. Betze. Betze dagim simanehen kisimane betze haof. Regarding fish eggs, their signs are like the signs of a um, of the eggs of a chicken. If both sides of the egg were round or sharp, they are not kosher. If one side was sharp and one side was round, he should ask the Jewish seller. If he says that I... Um, He says that he himself salted them, meaning salted the fish after taking them out of the fish, uh, out of a kosher fish. Yes. Ochel al-piv, the Jew may eat it based on what he says. But if he simply says that they are pure, he is not, uh, that they are kosher, he is not, he is not believed. Unless he was, um, an individual assumed to be trustworthy in matters of kashrut. Halakha yod tet. Vechen en lokhin gevina v'hatichat dag she'en bahen siman elam yisraeli she'uchzak b'kashrut. Also, we don't purchase cheese or a fillet of fish that does not have a sign unless it was bought from a Jew who, again, is v'uchzak b'kashrut, who is assumed to be trustworthy in matters of kashrut. Aval be'eretz Yisrael, but in the land of Israel, when the majority of Jews, of, pe of the population are Jews, one may simply buy um, the egg or the givina. Sorry, no, one may buy the givina or the fillet of fish um, from any Jew that passes by. 
also milk may be purchased from any Jew in any place. Someone who pickles fish that was um, that are not kosher, the liquid that comes out is prohibited. However, the liquid that comes out of um, not kosher locusts is permissible because they don't really have a liquid in their bodies. Any liquid um, of animals from goyim, unless it was from a kosher fish that is uh, that is floating inside the seed, even if it was only even if it was only one fish. If a goy brought a crate that was filled with open barrels of um, tzir, and there was one kosher fish in one of the barrels, all of them are, all of the barrels are permissible. If they were um, closed, and he opened one of them and he found a kosher fish. And then he opened another one and found another kosher fish. All of them are permitted. And this is provided the head and spine of the fish are intact in order for him to recognize that it is a kosher fish. And this is an example of, um, of, of us rendering a decision about halal with using the um, the rule that hazakah is determined um, by two um, reoccurring situations. However, in some cases, uh, the halakha is that um, we need three reoccurring um, situations for us to surmise um, a hazakah. This is a, it's a machogad in the Gemara. In some places, we um, in some places we say that a hazaka requires two, and in some places we require the hazaka requires three. Final halacha. Therefore, we don't take fish that are salted and minced from the goyim. These are called tarit terufa. If, however, the head and spine of the fish were recognizable even though if it is even though it is minced it is permissible to take to buy it from the goyim a goy that brought a keg of pieces of fish that were cut equally and it is recognizable that all of these fish are from one type of species of fish, and we find in one of the pieces that it had scale that it had cascasin. Cascasin are, yes, are scales. If he found scales on even one piece of these of this large quantity of fish, all of them are permitted because, as we mentioned, um, and this is yes, this is all. This is assuming that the scale is on um, the fish because we said that any fish that has scales also definitely has fins, as we mentioned in um, Perek Aleph, um, I believe Halakha Kafdalid, 
And with that, we finish Perek Gimav. This chapter was a very technical chapter. I hope everything was clear. And if anyone has um, any clarifications or any comments, please feel free to comment either on the YouTube page or to remark in the WhatsApp group. Tomorrow we'll study Perek Revi'i. Baruch Amen.